Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You can't censor us. This is Uncensored Parenting. Talking about the shit, no one else will. You've got questions? We've got, well, we've got perspectives. Coming up on today's episode is Dr. Araya Noruzi, a joyful living coach, educator, author, and a parent. Dr. Araya specializes in working with parents and schools on consciousness. In this episode, we discuss the topic of parenting, and Dr. Araya teaches us about what it means to be a conscious parent, understanding that everything originates from childhood and why we need to address our own triggers recognizing behavior occurs because of unmet psychological needs, and she reveals the most common needs all of us have and how to meet these needs for our kids. And of course, you don't want to miss Dr. Araya's best parenting advice. Welcome to Uncensored Parenting. Hello, everyone. On today's show, we have Dr. Araya Noruzi. Dr. Araya has a PhD in psychology. She's a joyful living coach specializing in personal healing, relationships, and conscious parenting. She offers to groups, schools, and corporates some workshops, providing training on conscious teaching, conscious parenting, and mindful training, mindfulness training. Welcome, Dr. Araya, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. I feel blessed to be here. Will you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into work with conscious parenting? Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I was an engineer, computer engineer until eight years ago. And then uh, all of a sudden, I um, something happened. I resigned and I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this until I die. It's not like I hated it, but it didn't feel right anymore. So I kind of... Um, opened up to the universe uh, and said, okay, what am I good at? I asked people what I'm good at. They said I'm good at teaching. So I kind of, um, you know, was open uh, to, to get the, the response from the universe to see really what's, what's going to be my future. Um, and while, because I had time, um, I had resigned. So I started researching um, uh, on the internet. I always wanted to watch the movie Secret. <laughs> so I watched that movie and then something popped up and it was a coaching company. And I got their coaching services. And after some time, um, they offered me to become their life coach. And I did. And then my life coach introduced Dr. Shafali to me because he saw that I was struggling with my children, um, especially specifically with my daughter. And um, he introduced Dr. Shafali to me because a lot of people, Dr. Shafali, I don't know if you know her, but she's a founder of Conscious Parenting and Oprah Winfrey's favorite parenting expert. I never saw her on Oprah. A lot of people did. I didn't have have a TV at that time, so I hadn't seen her. <laughs> but, but, but my life coach introduced her to me. So I 
I just fell in love. I Googled her name. I found her TED Talk. I cried, sobbed, and watched it again and again. And then I became an avid student and started actually giving talks to schools about conscious parenting um, just right there and then. And then after some time, I became her life coach and uh, her conscious parent coach. And um, it's been my passion because I do believe, uh, so I'm not specifically uh, focusing on parent coaching. Uh, it's, um, you know, really um, relationship coaching, life coaching. But the big part of it is conscious parenting because um, um, because of my, you know, research about human mind and psychology and all those things, um, I have found out whatever we are is the product of our um, childhood, specifically from zero to seven years old. Mm. Literally, we're, we're like sponges, our self-belief, our worldview, everything, sh- um, you know, shapes there. And that's why it's so important to for us to become conscious parents so we can actually heal the planet. So it's not about just parenting and having an easy life and how to get to your kid to brush your teeth. Yeah, part of it is that too. But really, the my passion comes from the fact that I do believe the world should be, can be healed. The only way that can be healed is in parenting, because, um, you know, um, if you watch, I don't know, cop shows, you'll see all these criminals. They have horrible childhood. And believe it or not, whatever we do as adults uh, has a root in childhood. Um, I had a client who hated ice cream and we found out when she was three, she was eating ice cream and her parents were fighting above her. So she associated ice cream with bad memories. So everything uh, actually originates in childhood. And that's why it's super important for us parents to do our part to decrease the suffering in the world. Wow, that is quite a change going from engineering to this. Like, this is a pretty drastic change. But it sounds like you have quite a gift to give to the world, especially around conscious parenting or helping parents kind of navigate that field. Because I know uh, when I became a parent, it was probably one of the most challenging experiences of my life. I was not ready for it. There was no handbook, and I did not know what I was doing. So... Exactly. Yeah. Like we buy a blender, it comes with, I don't know, 10 page instruction. <laughs> yeah, and kids don't. <laughs> awesome. Okay, will you tell us a little bit about what is a conscious parent? So um, the way I teach it is um, to conscious parent, the way that Dr. Shifali actually says it, is, is one who doesn't cr- want to create a mini-me and understand that their child has come uh, to to the life of the parent to uh, help the parent heal her own childhood wounds. So that's her definition. And the way I work with conscious parenting coaching, um, I I go with two wings. So the first wing is actually what she's talking about. Um, why am I getting triggered? If I'm getting triggered, uh, let me pause and understand if she if my child doesn't want to brush her teeth right now, why I'm so frustrated. And again, going back uh, to childhood, understand that okay, it feels it makes me feel powerless, and I felt powerless when my parents didn't do this and that. Um, understanding that and understand that, okay, um, this is about me if I'm getting triggered. And the other wing is about the child. Why doesn't child want? Um, why does um, why does the child um, defy you, or why is he not compliant? So understanding the psychological reasons and understanding the brain, why the child quote unquote misbehaves. So that those are the two wings, and we cannot get to the second wing without the first wing. Like first, I have to understand why am I getting triggered? Do my own tools which is like breathing, using mantras, going, I don't know, around the house, kind of 
putting that, um, you know, shutting down the fight or flight mechanism so that I can actually see the child now, understand what is the child's unmet needs. There's always like any behavior is just a symptom. It's just the 5% at the top of the, at the above the, um, you know, iceberg uh, above the water. The 95% is the root of that misbehavior. And there are so many unmet needs, unmet psychological needs that are actually um, causing those um, quote unquote misbehaviors. So a conscious parent needs to pause and really investigate what are those needs, right? And as a parent, fulfill them. So we want to take care of the root rather than managing the symptom. Unfortunately, traditional parenting is all about symptom management. Like punishment and reward. Okay, if you don't do this, you're not going to have that. Or you do this, I'm going to give you this. So it's either punishment or reward. But what am, what are we teaching in that you know, scenario? We're teaching nothing. We're teaching them, okay, I'm going to do this because I want to get a reward or I want to do this to avoid pain. Literally, we're not teaching anything meaningful. Uh, but conscious parenting is about respect, is about uh, communication, is about understanding each other, is about finding solutions, win-win solutions together, understanding the child. is not, This is not a hierarchical model, and the, child, the, uh, the parent is not the top, tip, top of the pyramid. And we are equal in value. Again, equal in value. We are, like They are just smaller. That's it. Uh, and we treat them as such. Well, that I feel like that's such a big paradigm shift from traditional parenting because I really feel like there's more of a hierarchical like belief about, you know, I'm the parent, I'm the authority, and you need to listen to me. And what I really hear you saying is it's about kind of equal playing field and really teaching kids to get their needs met in a healthy way versus just under control or, or doing something because as a parent, I want you to do it. Exactly. So it's not so much about teaching because let's let's um, be honest. We don't know ourselves and we want to teach something that we don't know ourselves. So it's uh, literally it's being. a. Um, so here's the thing. Dr. Gabor Mate said it beautifully. He says we have two basic needs um, when we come to this world. There's one is authenticity and the other one is attachment. OK, so now we have to inevitably sacrifice authenticity for attachment when we are children. Because if my mom yells at me and beats me up, that's, you know, life or death. So I have to sacrifice my, if I want to cry right now, I can't cry, right? Authentic uh, feeling is like, okay, I'm sad, I want to cry. But the mom or the dad, they're uncomfortable and they somehow try to suppress my feelings. And now I learn little by little to sacrifice authenticity for, you know, to, to stay alive, kind of. It's a survival mechanism, right? Yeah. So- Yes. So as conscious parents, we need to work on ourselves so we don't dump our own insecurities and our fears on children so they can they can grow to to be their authentic self. Now, here's the tricky part. If you lived in jungles and like in communes and, you know, everything was perfect, you know, this that utopia that we all, you know, try to uh, kind of find somewhere which doesn't exist. Actually, there are some exist in India, I guess. But for example, they have to, the, the, the child needs to do homework. They have to do some stuff, right? So we have to find some ways to make it natural for the child. So it becomes kind of authentic. So it's very important to understand that living in this world is not natural. 
School system is not natural. Foods are not natural. Like sitting for eight hours, not natural. Medication, you know, the healthcare system is not natural. And just accepting that and try to make it work. So if we can, I don't know, send our children to some more natural school or something. But if we can't, then we have to somehow make it um, in such a way that the child will um, thrive on her own way rather than us coercing and teaching. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. we want the child to bloom herself or himself rather than us saying, okay, we do need, like if we let them, here's the bottom line. If we let them live to their potential, they find a way. We don't even need to do anything. I love this quote. It says, I didn't come here to teach you. I came here to love you. Love will teach you. So this, I mean, this is, this is mind blowing even for myself. Um, you know, as a, as a former educator, I think about um, teaching and how that's so uh, deep into my rooted belief system and, and, Conscious parenting is actually challenging that, right? You're not teaching. You're allowing kids to show up more authentically. So now I have a question. How do you then create, like, your kids to be more helpful? Let's say that there's, like, you know, you're you, they're not taking out the trash. They're not cleaning their room. And I know that that's my belief. I want my house taken care of. How do you create... um, you know, like a small community where kids want to contribute. Um, because I know I would naturally jump to, let me teach you how to do this so that you can do this. And then now I'm going to require this of you. So how, how do you teach kids to contribute to a community if? Sure. That's a million dollar question. So, (laughs) so one of the, so another theory says we have three basic psychological needs. First is connectedness, which is attachment. Then it's autonomy like understanding that you have a choice. And third one is competence, okay? So doing chores, which I hate the word chores, but I call them like house work or family work or something, community work, um, because chores has kind of a negative connotation to me. But um, that should come really early. Like even one year and a half, you can start doing that. And it's like... Some people think conscious parenting is permissive parenting and raising like spoiled children. No, that's actually the opposite. We need children to do some work and that will make them feel good because the competence bucket gets full. So now there is um, there is um, a couple of things that we have to pay attention. And I, I love it that you actually had that realization that it's not about teaching. It's about creating scenarios, creating situations for the child that for the child himself to do it, wants to do it, feel good about himself because it's about competence. So it's our job. It's going to be a shift in paradigm, as you said, to um, to kind of create that. So let them decide. So we have two two different motivations, right? Extrin- extrinsic motivation, intrinsic motivation. We want to create that intrinsic motivation where the child wants to do it. Otherwise, they have to keep repeating and repeating and repeating, and it's going to get even worse when they become teenagers, right? Especially if we started this late. That's why it's important to start early, okay? But here's the thing. I always say this mantra. No one likes to be told what to do. No one in this world likes to be told what to do. But for some reason, when it comes to our children, we expect them, right, to do yes. that. Yep. And Dr. Shafali says, <laughs> she's kind of, she uses a harsh comment, but she, I think she's right, uh, that we treat them like slaves, kind of. 
Like we want him to do this. I told my husband like before when we were arguing about these things, I'm like, do you want him to brush their teeth or you want him to listen to you? There are two different ways, right? There are two different incentives and we have to be careful about that. So now if you want a child to do something, this is the hard thing. We need to associate that action or that skill with good memory. When that thing is associated, why, like so many parent clients that come to me, they have problems with tooth, toothbrushing. Why? Because it's always a havoc, right? They don't want to go to sleep. I'm tired. And, you know, it's all, they don't want to brush their teeth and get separated from the parents. So there is a negative memory associated with toothbrushing. Now, if I want my child to uh, wash the dishes, for example, that's a chore, we want to associate good memory and fun with it. So she, she wants to do it make and feel good in the process rather than the other way around. So now when that is done, there is a process for skill building. And here's the thing. And this is where you can use a little bit of teaching. So five to 10 times you do it, they watch when they're little, of course. Then you five to 10 times you do it together. And then five to 10 times they do it and you watch. So there's a process and all of this need to be associated with music, humor, fun, play, dancing, jumping. So they feel good about that chore rather than just, oh no, right? Um, and then I'm um, again, using family meetings and talking about why is it important to do com community work. Family meeting is very important every week, couple of minutes, not too long. And we talk about these things, about the things that we're frustrated or the tasks that we want to allocate and ask them, what do you want to do? Okay, we have this list. Who wants to do what? So they are actually contributing. So they feel autonomous. That's the other bucket, Right. So we have to be very careful about these three buckets when we are teaching uh, them life skills and, um, you know, and then overall we need to release expectations because when we, you just said, I require them, you know, we don't want that. Here's the thing. Unfortunately, because of the fast paced uh, life that we have, we always think of the next moment. Okay. Well, I don't know. Um, food, eat so we can go sleep. Uh, where you're close so we can go to school. It's always the next thing. So I always say, this moment, even if it's too hard, toothbrushing or whatever it is, this moment is your life. You just release everything. So it's not about the next moment, it's this moment. Now, what am I teaching in this moment? If I'm yelling, if I'm frustrated, if I'm like, am I teaching about healthcare? Because toothbrushing is about healthcare. Am I teaching about community work when it's, I don't know, washing the dishes time? I'm not, because um, it's, it's all about uh, power struggle at this point and get the tax task done so we can go to the next one. So every moment, that's why it's called conscious, because we're in the moment. That's why mindfulness is super important. We have to use mindfulness to bring ourselves in this moment and then become aware that if I'm getting triggered, I'm getting affected by the, my wounds in the past. And also I'm getting affected by the fears about the future or the next moment, or we have to go to school. So we're either in the past or the future. We're not in the moment. We're not seeing the child. We don't, we lose perspective what we are teaching at this point, right? And overall, life is like parenting is hard, as you said. Like if we, I know we, none of us did it by choice, really. We think we did it by choice, but because everyone else did it, we did it too. <laughs> But we have to accept it's a huge responsibility. It's a huge, like no one 
put a knife <laughs> uh, on, our, on our necks, then no, you should have a child. We did ourselves. So we have to accept this is difficult. We have to maneuver, especially from zero to seven, and to shift our focus on them so they will need less therapy hours, fewer therapy hours in the future, because we all would need that because we all wounded, but yeah. fewer therapy hours. Yes. It makes, you know, this is, this is actually, I'm, I can be pretty edgy and this is actually really edgy for me because I challenge my thinking around this, like, you know, am I teaching my child to be obedient? And then I get frustrated that they're obedient in other situations, right? Where they should actually have more autonomy. And I'm like, why are you doing that? Like, you need to stand up for yourself. And I I realized right here, like, well, it's because I'm expecting obedience really from my children when I ask them to do the dishes or clean your room or, you know, and I'm going to inspect it and make sure it's the way I want it done. Um, and then I get the eye roll. Um, and so this is edgy for me because this is really challenging the belief on um, creating um, experiences for kids in which builds their internal ability versus that obedience. And not that that piece is edgy for me. It's how am I presenting that to my kids, right? Absolutely. Yes. And it's your energy. And you just got awakened right now, Yeah. right? If you read the book, Awakened Family, just got awakened, understanding. I always say, you do not want your child to listen to you. Why? (laughs) Why should they listen to you? Literally. Why? So if, if you've done some work, really good work. So the, one of the mantras is connection before correction. Like they want to do it. They feel good about themselves, right? For example, I experiment with this. When I say to my children, do something and they don't want to do it. And right away, if I'm aware, <laughs> not all the time, but if I'm, when I'm conscious, I'm a good teacher. It doesn't mean I, I do all the things that I say, <laughs> but I experiment with it where I just use endearment, you know, uh, words and nice voices. Oh, can you do that for me? And they'll do it like like that. So it's just I I really um, implore parents to experiment with it and see the results for themselves. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I really love the idea of the family meetings weekly of checking in and, you know, saying, here are the things that we have to do, who's taking what this week, and just having that conversation that seems really beautiful. Now, for me, I'm sitting here going, okay, my daughter's about to turn eight in a week, and you keep saying zero to seven is really important. How bad have I messed up between now and this, and can I do something to fix it, or not fix it, but can I start doing things now to reduce those therapy hours that I know are coming that I'll front the bill for because I've contributed to that. What do I do now as a parent to That's like, start I wish back? I had a penny for every time I get that question. <laughs> <laughs> so um, here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
here's the thing. From zero to seven, 95% of our wiring in the brain, it's not the brain development. The brain gets fully developed 28, 29, maybe never. But the wiring, right? The self-belief, worldviews, all those things, they're kind of wired by seven, okay? And then 12. 12, you still have a little bit of time because of the brain wave, uh, brainwave frequency. The brainwave fre- frequency is low. It's like hypnosis, kind of, right? Mm-hmm. That's why hypnosis works. You, your brain is suggestible. So the brains are suggestible when they're little, okay? And then they go to higher frequencies, which is ours, like beta. So you still have time till 12 for rewiring. But here's the thing. There's good news. Two good news. Two pieces of good news. Um, one, because they're still young, the wiring is not established yet. So the network and the brains, the neurons in the, in the brain, they are, uh, they're, they're kind of connected. They're not too atta- like permanently attached. They're kind of connected with, a, with something called neural growth factor, like, um, like a glue. Okay. But when children are, when the, some things are done less repeatedly, the glue between the neurons is less. So rewiring of the brain is faster. There is a, you can Google it. There is an experiment with a bike. The dad actually um, had a mechanic um, change the bike such a way, if you turn right, the bike will go left, okay? And it took him, I think, seven months or something to learn to ride this bike. And now his son, seven years old, he got in two weeks. Wow. So find it and Google. So um, that's what I'm saying. So that's a little bit of good news. So the warning is not, there is way greater hope than when you're like 30, 40, 50. But even then you can do that. So this is called brain rewiring, right? And that's what I do with my sessions and I'm still doing it myself. So when you do something three times a day for 30 days, then it becomes you know, more second nature. So it is possible, right? This is neuroplasticity in the brain, right? So it is possible. So don't, despair number two number two i have to say this your children are not yours that's the base of conscious parenting they just came through you they're Mm -hmm. not yours okay so now when you understand that they're sovereign souls they come into your circle it's like a classroom together we are learning this world together we are learning to be who we are because we lost our authenticity do you remember When we come to this world, everything is just perfect. We are in awe. It's just about play and pleasure. But then our parents and school system took us away from us, right? We have to go back there. So now now we have this life experience together as teammates, right? So we can learn who we are. Literally. This is the most important question that one of the spiritual gurus, Ramana Maharshi says, who am I? That's the most important question. Who am I? Who am I? Okay. So now this is their experience. This is a little bit of spiritual, but I don't call it spiritual. Again, I'm an engineer. I'm very scientific, like, but the science that I believe it's not, okay. I don't want to talk about it because it's kind of controversial, but just take my words from it. It's, it's, it might sound a little bit spiritual, but we come here together to know who we are. Now we, it's like a scenario, like Shakespeare says, this world is a stage, men and women are players, right? It's like that. So your children are players. You are the players in their life. They are the players in your life. So we shouldn't feel guilty. Like when it comes to guilt, it belongs to 
toilet, flush it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all I say. It's like, no, like the is just, just forget about it. So it's their experience. They called for it. Even if the time, like, like horrible experiences, okay? I, I imposed horrible experience on my children before this. Even now, like when I get frustrated because I have my own old rules. That's why I teach this. I teach what I need to learn the most. But if I go to guilt and I say, oh, they're going to be, I have to accept it. I tell my daughter, if you want to like date anyone, please 100 hours of therapy (laughs) (laughs) right before that. So we have to accept that and just, you know, um, release the guilt. And this is our life. And it's just a moment to moment endeavor. Like I lose it. Oops, I lost it. I'm rewiring. Let's come back. Oops, I'm lost. Look, this is the path. My book is going to come out hopefully soon. It's called The Art of Living in Joy. This is the art of living in joy. Oops. I relapse. Let's come back. Oops, I relapse. Let's come back. That's it. Because there is no, like, if everything is perfect, then, uh, like, first of all, they won't be able to handle the life. Second of all, we'll be probably angels or Buddha or Jesus or someone. <laughs> we are humans. <laughs> I love I love this idea of just saying, whoops, like, and go back and start over. Because, yes. I, you know, I think as parents, like, the feeling is like, whoops did it again and instead of really like sticking with that like oh I should have done that it's that oops okay now move forward um okay so then along the lines of like behavior then like let's and and maybe it's you didn't start out as a conscious parent like we don't we had um what like how do you handle like tantrums or like serious behaviors that kids are exhibiting like how would you um apply conscious parenting to that Another beautiful question. So here's the thing. The reason we suffer, the world suffers, is because we were not allowed to feel our feelings and be authentic. And we are scared of it. Here's the thing. Let me give you some good news. Maybe you know this too. What do you think the maximum duration of each feeling is? If you feel it, not think it. Like feel it in the body. seconds? <laughs> not yes, long? Pretty close. So maximum is 90 seconds. And if you really feel it, because it's the, this is the most difficult thing for us humans, because we learn to suppress. So we, it's really difficult. We don't even know. We, we don't even know how to be happy, believe it or not. We don't know because we're in our minds all the time yeah. with 100,000 thoughts a day, almost every day. Most of them are negative. This is science. Okay. So um, we need to, so when there's a tantrum, we should understand the child's like the brain is not being because that emotional regulation part comes really late, as I said, 27. Okay, maybe never. Like, look at us. So, right. <laughs> so may, I, I'm sure you're so awesome. I'm not. So <laughs> I'm right there with you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but uh, so let's just create that safe space. Again, go to the first wing understand why am I getting triggered? Oh, I'm a bad mom. I have to control things or blah, blah, blah. I fear of judgment, all sorts of things, right? Take care of that and just allow oh, and just create that safe space. There are four S's we need to give to our children. Four S's that Dr. Dan Siegel said. Seen, safe, soothed, and secure. Seen, safe, soothed, and secure. So just by giving those four S's, creating a safe haven for them, we don't even need to say anything because believe it or not, in that moment, they can't even hear us. The words cannot be processed, right? So just be there for them. Just be there and, um, and just uh, make them understand they're safe. And it's okay to feel like this. Look at us. We're feeling horrible sometimes. And that's their version of feeling horrible. 
So let's just create that um, space for them to be their authentic self. And the more we allow it, the, the faster it passes because maximum is 90 seconds. Like little children, have you seen them like cry now and the next moment they're crying and they're laughing? Yep. That's, they know what to do, but they would take them away from, we take that skill away from them by, you know, yelling or trying to fix them, put them in not a corner or uh, all sorts of giving them ice cream. It doesn't matter. We're just trying because we are com- uncomfortable ourselves. They, that, their cry, her whine or whatever makes me uncomfortable. I'm a bad mom or whatever it is. Yeah, because we lost our own authenticity and we can't tolerate some. Yes. There's a story behind it, right? Like, I think about like even two scenarios of like just giving the giving the child whatever they want or not whatever they want, but like, oh, here, this will make you feel better because we don't want them uncomfortable. And then it's yes. the other side as well of like, don't embarrass me, don't behave this way. And it really yes. is the story that we're creating in our head that is creating that that struggle between you and your child, not so yeah. much what's actually happening. Exactly. We don't see what's going on because we don't see the brain. The brain, like, um, they're literally incapable of regulating their emotions. But, but we want them to stop. We want them to regulate. They can't. They don't have the hardware. It's not there yet. So um, one of the things that I tell parents that would make them so happy, actually made me so happy, uh, was that, you're not responsible to make your children happy. Wow. Until 14 months old, yes, you shouldn't allow a drop of tear come down. Like you should quickly respond, quickly, 14 months, because they need to understand this world is safe. But after that, we don't need to, so part of the problem, we get triggered because why are you unhappy? Be happy. So, we don't need to make that happen because when we release that, you are okay. Oh, I know this is so frustrating. I know. And they're like, oh, okay, it's not a bad thing because again, this is the biggest, the gravest, one of the gravest mistakes we make as humans that we think that feelings are permanent. They're not. <laughs> they come and go. They're like waves of the ocean. So we just have to make that, like understand that ourselves first and then allow them to, we don't need to teach again, going back to teach. You don't need to teach that. They know it. Which, you know, I think about, um, the, what is the term? Like the lawnmower parent or the helicopter parent where it's, it's always trying to remove any challenge or any bad feeling from their kids. It's almost doing a disservice because then your child can never move through that full experience. And, end up being fine on the other side. Yes, they won't be resilient, right? Yeah. So this doesn't mean we abandon them. I have to make sure that 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 is completely related. So we don't abandon them or cry. So we are there. We're creating a safe space. I know. So they will feel secure. Again, those four S's. Yeah. Right? So now as they get older, what if a teen is having like a major struggle and they are coming across as rude or inconsiderate? What do you do? Okay, so again, this is um, this I just touched on this. Any behavior is a symptom; it's a form of communication. So whether so the, they're two or thirteen or eighteen, doesn't matter. <laughs> like adults, adults yeah. even. So, mm-hmm. and the root cause of it is: Am I see, being seen? Do I matter? That's the root um, wound of everyone. See me. Do, do I matter? That's the root. So behavior is not a problem. It's a sign of a problem. 
Okay. And what is the problem? It could be, again, those three buckets, big, big buckets, the connectedness, autonomy, competence. Either one or more of these buckets is not fulfilled, is not filled. So as conscious parents, we need to pay attention and investigate, right? Investigate that, um, which one is that. So now, instead of, I know it, this might sound controversial to, to some people, but the reason we feel frustrated, you talked about the the fears and all those things, become aware of them. And then I feel attacked. But when I know that the child, the teenager is just frustrated, like teenage brain is like a toddler brain because there, there's a lot of pruning happening in the brain. Uh, there's a great book called Brainstorm by Dr. Dan Siegel. Uh, that's, a, uh, that's for teenagers. Actually, teenagers can read it too. Um, both the parents and the teenagers can read that. And the other book of his, I highly recommend, The Whole Brain Child, that's really um, like the Bible of parenting. Like you should understand the child's brain because we are not realistic when we ask, we expect the child not to throw a tantrum, not to cuss, not to um, shut the door because they're frustrated. They don't know how to communicate, right? So as conscious parents, we need to, I always say like, it's like you have x-ray vision goggles. Like you, I don't want you to see the cussing. I want you to see underneath. So now with curiosity, there are four tools of conscious parenting I came up with. Play and humor, I talked about it for the times that, you know, it's just, there's no storm. But curiosity and empathy are the two tools that we can use for, uh, for the time that there is a chaos. So not in that moment, of course, because she's frustrated, he's frustrated, he won't even understand what you're saying. So like we can just take a break. Um, and, um, and then maybe come back after and then be curious. Can you tell me what happened? Like that, what you made me really made me, what you said really made me upset. And I really like you not to say those things, but let's talk about what caused you to say that. And little by little, this will go away. But look at traditional parenting. There is a swear jar. There is this, like, there's always like, um, behavior, like symptom management, behavior manipulation. But no, we're going to go underneath the behavior. Like if you had um, video as well, I would show always the iceberg. Like the top is the behavior that underneath is like, am I love? Do I matter? Under, it's that. And really it's, we keep treating that behavior piece with like behavior modification versus really understanding what these core needs are in kids. Even as educators in the school system, like carrying this, like this is something really important because I know that at times, like even as a former educator, I was like, oh, why are they acting this way? And I was so frustrated instead mm -hmm. of really understanding like what what's below that. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's why I came up with conscious teaching, too, because my son came one, one home one day and said, my teacher, he was in fourth grade. My teacher put me in the dungeon. Like, I'm not going to go to school. I'm a bad boy. And like. I went to her, I said, she was kind of, you know, um, an elder then, like, no, I don't punish. And it, this will be, you know, it will counteract, what, like it will defy your purpose because he's going to say, okay, I'm going to be bad now because he's feeling bad about himself. So then that I came up with a, <laughs> with a workshop for teachers. <laughs> um, so, okay. So then this makes me think of um, one last question I have. Well, almost one last question. What, so what I really hear is, um, it's not about punishing. There's an accountability piece and not an accountability piece. Like you're in trouble if, or this is what's going to happen. If it's more of accountability of like the feedback or conversation that happens with the kids. 
Is that what I'm hearing? Is that how you address, like, how do you hold kids um, accountable? And I know, I, I mean, I hearing all of these, I almost asking this question, I'm like, what, do, <laughs> I know what, she's gonna say. <laughs> yeah. what is she going to say? But I really do. I feel the need really to ask this so that parents really hear this piece. Right. So like what, how do you address the accountability piece or holding kids accountable? Are you ready for my answer? I am. Let's hear it. <laughs> The accountability piece, the accountability piece is for you. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Yep, there it is. (laughs) Okay. Because let me tell you this. This, we are them. They only see us, especially when they're little. Like, they don't see anything else. They see us. When we are calm, when we are loving, when we are managing our own emotions when we are accountable for that's what they see like um they we say be it to teach it if you want to show accountability you need to be accountable for your uh emotional regulation and all those things and they learn by you know who you be a good role model i know this sounds hard work but guess what parenting is hard anyways even if you i don't know beat them up it's still hard it's hard so (laughs) It is hard. So let's choose this hard. I have this section in my book. Like, let's choose your heart. They're both hard. Yes. <laughs> let's choose this hard. Yeah. So, um, um, and it's going to be not short term. It's going to be long term. So anything of that sort is short term. They just want to do it to avoid punishment or get a reward. Yeah. It's not going to be intrinsically grained. Again, whatever you want them to do, ask yourself why. If it's toothbrushing, it's not about them listening to you. It's about health care. Like, it's about hygiene. Right? Yeah. So we need to yeah. focus on that. Yeah, it's it's really about teaching them an understanding of, not even the why, but the understanding of, like, things that happen in life versus, like, this is why you should do something or... You know, even, I mean, I can't even tell you how many countless battles we've had with, with toothbrushing and it's like, <laughs> that's why I bring it up. <laughs> yeah. I would have loved like this. Like sometimes our daughter even says like, can I just get brushing our teeth tonight? We're like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, now I'm like, man, maybe I, maybe I need to be more conscious of like, we've never actually like talked about the hygienic piece of brushing our teeth and how important it might be and then giving yeah. choice in that piece of, of, yeah, I mean, she may not once in a while and yeah. is it worth the power struggle? Yes. And if they're little, they don't understand the explanation. Of course we, again, we want to associate it with good things. So I, one of my friends was pregnant and I told her, you need to promise me, you read this book, the Dr. Shafali's um, book, The Awakened Family, at least two times before the baby is born. <laughs> so she, she said, okay. So after two years, I'm like, what's up with toothbrushing? Cause I know that's always a yeah. struggle. She said, she loves to do it because like from day one, I associated with singing and dancing and jumping in the family. And, you know, I said, there you go. So, um, makes a huge difference. Wow. Yeah. 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 Oh, this has been amazing. Let me tell you. All right. We ask, a uh, every time we interview someone, we ask them the big question. If you could give parents one piece of advice that can, that just is like the best advice you could give them, what would that be? Uh, hmm. the best advice will be 
<laughs> it's going to be too big though. But understanding that whatever happens uh, with their children and it's triggering them, there is a deeper reason and don't resort to system, you know, behavior manipulation and all those things. Do your work, read the books, the awakened family, conscious parent, the whole brain child. And, you know, because unfortunately the, these this material, Dr. Gabor Mate, Dr. Shafali, is not seeped into academics yet, into therapy yet. It's not. What I'm telling you, you can't, like a regular therapist won't say. And that's what's missing because this, what I, whatever I've shared with you, it has an Eastern flavor. Okay? So, and it's not Western medicine, Western psychology, in my opinion, is not complete. So it needs to be, um, again, integrated with Eastern philosophy and why we are here, what's going on. So a little bit of introspection. So do your work. So my best advice is to use your uh, children to know who you are, mm. to understand who you are. Wonderful advice. Thank Love you. It. Dr. Araya, thank you so much. If anybody is interested in connecting with you or uh, getting more information, where can they find you online? I think the best way will be, I, I'm on all social medias, although right now I'm like, I'm very involved with Iran situation. I'm from Iran. So, um, but the best way will be D-R-A-R-A-Y-E-H, draraya.com. Um, and they can find uh, the top corner, they can find free 30-minute consultation. So everyone has free 30-minute consultation. They can make that with me and we can go from there. Wonderful. And also, also I have like three video series uh, about conscious parenting. So that's just also uh, free. Wonderful. Thank you so much again. We really appreciate having you on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Uncensored Parenting. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Uncensored Parenting Podcast. We're out. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back Podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Pack podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed.